0: This is Berenson Bond Podcast, episode 65, with your host Diego and Corey Berenson. And today, oh man, Mr. Robert is in the house, my very good friend. I've known him from way before you were even born, Diego. Robert took pictures of you inside your mom's pregnant belly. Yeah. He has a picture that you took of him. You know that picture? With the two girls kissing you, when you had padrino and had the cowboy hat on, guess who took that picture? This guy right here, Robert. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was- you don't remember that day? Okay, let me. Not, well, I don't. That day, so your padrino, Mr. Marshall, had a great idea to dress you up like a cowboy, like chingo bling, and he had. Three girls come over, dress up like they're from the hood in Los Angeles. And Robert, because he's a, an amazing photographer, videographer, he's got an oh. eye for images. We needed to hire the right guy. Not hire, <laughs> but he's down. He's like, I'll come take some crazy pictures of this kid who's three. Maybe you were three, right? Yeah. And uh, so anyways, you're showing them all your toys in your room. We took pictures, hanging out. And when they left, my favorite part, me and Robert and Pedrina were laughing because you're like, "Hey man, where's all my girls?"
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so Robert, uh, thank you for making time. I appreciate it, dude. I, I miss you. I haven't we talked Absol- here and there, but dude, I really miss you. And what? Uh, there's this kid. He's ten. Diego's ten. What is it like to? You're doing a podcast with this kid now.
2: Yeah, and uh, <laughs> the the mic's almost as big as him. Uh, It's cool. I mean, I've never I've never really done a podcast. I've done some stuff, you know, for work where I've had to be on things, but I'm excited. I think what you guys are doing is great. And it's really neat to see him kind of grow up in this space as well. Um, And it's just insane to see him grow up to be a little man now, you know, and you as a father going from lots of things that we can't talk about and hanging out and being wild in the streets to a parent and uh you know a father like a good father and that's it's really neat
0: i'm trying to be i want i want to i'm trying to show him what good wholesome positive relationships are like he gets to hear grown-ups talk to each other like every time i think about you and diego you'll get it from his conversations like robert always makes me smile like he uh, like i I just immediately smile if I get him on the phone. He's an <laughs> he's an adventurer. I've been telling Diego about you forever, like all the help when we did the Rally Ready podcast. When I called you, and we yeah. went to we went to the rally track, and we were in the truck, remember Diego? And we did the rally track with the trucks taking jumps, was like. So he still wants to race. You can okay. Uh, obviously, you schooled us on all the expenses about how gnarly that can get. Yeah. And we haven't returned, but I think the passion is still in his heart to race. So I just wanted to know. Imagine when you were 10, he's in fifth grade, what would you want to hear from a dude like you who's been in trophy trucks, who has built pre-runners, who's raced cars, your grandparents? You can even talk about your grandfather racing motorcycles. Diego, you don't even know. You don't even know. Um, so i'm i'm just feeding you whatever because you know you have so much knowledge and experience like he loves the race he's a kid he loves cars but you turned in you went from a kid who loves racing and cars to a grown-up who really did it no matter what job you had what was going on in life like you were going to be building and working on trucks and cars period
2: yeah uh, if i was when i was 10 years old all i ever wanted was a dirt bike um, you know, because my grandfather was a stunt man, um, and he started racing in motorcycles, so uh, I was always around it. So my grandfather uh, was really close friends with another fellow by the name of Bud Eakins, and another legend by the name of Steve McQueen, and became a stunt man. Um, also, was in the roller derby. But when I was ten, I wanted a dirt bike real bad but I wasn't allowed to have one because my grandfather had at that point broken and destroyed his body in so many ways, uh, that it was basically forbidden. And my family didn't quite have the money to, you know, buy one cause I was raised by a single parent. So, you know, fast forward to when I was 19 years old and was like, well, wait a second, I have a job. Wait a second. I have money. Uh, I want a dirt bike and I grew up at the beach, like not a lot of people who grew up at the beach, they surf or they skateboard and they just hang out there. I was just like, yeah, I am gonna I'm going to get a dirt bike and I'm going to learn how to ride and race dirt bikes. And, uh, the rest was history. You know, it's like, I just, I was, I stuck to it. And then it also helped like build my career. You know, I started making DVDs like freestyle motocross DVDs and, um, uh, You know, chasing around all the freestyle motocross guys that kind of transitioned into doing a television show with uh, Adam Barker uh, for fuel TV uh, back in the day called M80. Um, And when I was doing and shooting it, I didn't get to ride a lot, but it was still like super fun because you're always just around it. Uh, And then I don't know, I think about twenty five crashed in a motocross race and hurt my knee pretty bad and um, knocked myself a little silly with the concussion. And of course it happened in like a motocross race where my whole family decided to finally show up to watch me race and I wadded up. So everybody's freaking out. And so I took a break and then that's kind of when I got into trucks and that got out of hand real quick. So what, it's like, it, what was the first truck? Uh, first truck. So I guess, uh, I, I, my very first truck ever was a Toyota pickup truck. And I bought that truck thinking I was going to build it into a race truck. I saved all my money. It's when I was working at, um, riot, uh, colors in the vault in, uh, Santa Monica. And I remember saving like all the money I could eating like top ramen and, you know, everything else and saved, saved up like five grand. And I figured I'm going to build a freaking trophy truck out of this truck. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> and I, I go to a fab shop in Huntington beach called camber camber racing and go in there and meet Jerry and Scott. And. You know, I'm like, I got five grand, I want a long travel kit. I'm going to race this truck. And they just kind of laughed at me. You know, they were just like, no, you're not like, so if you put they were like, if you put a long travel kit on this truck, then you're going to have to save another five grand to build the back. And then you have to save another 10 grand to build a cage and then to put and then another, you know, they basically kind of guided me through it. And they said, well, listen, give us your five grand and we'll make the whole truck as good as we can. So, you know, did some stuff and I did fiberglass on it. It was great. It was fun. And then immediately went to Glamis and, you know, beat on it and saw the other big Ford F one fifties. And it was like, I gotta have one of those. So sold that truck, bought an F one hundred and fifty was like looking at trying to build that. And then everything changed one day. There's a website called race desert and they have classifieds. And I would spend so much of my time on that website, just reading through the forums and on the classifieds, looking for stuff for sale that I could maybe buy or trade to like help build my truck. And, uh, one of my really good friends now, I met through a trade. His name was Kurt Young's and he was a fabricator and a builder. And he had built an extra cab Toyota pickup truck that was a V6. And so that was like my first real truck. It was fully caged front to rear. And, you know, like was a full real pre runner, long travel front, you know, long travel rear fuel cell, like the whole nine yards, but still was street legal. And he had just had his second child. So he was like, I need a truck. I can put a car seat in and I had this really nice f-150 so we did a straight across trade and i immediately thought i was like a desert racer i mean the first weekend i had it uh my friend dustin zachary whom you've worked with and i went straight out to the desert and had no idea how to like change tires how to do any of that like i didn't even know if i had a jack and jack or equipment on the thing <laughs> the tire. uh spoiler I have-
0: alert if you're gonna race you should probably know how to fix stuff
2: yeah well lots of stuff yes <laughs> like me just going. <laughs> Straight, we just went straight to the desert, had like 218 packs of beer and just like we're out there all day having a blast and then, you know, camped in the night and then did this whole thing. until we basically ran out of gas and got just to the gas station because the gas gauge didn't work. I was like, it's got a huge fuel. cell, we can go forever until it started going to do And we're just like, Uh Oh, what's that? Maybe it needs gas. I don't know. But yeah, that was like my first real truck. And I had that truck for about a year and I kind of turned my back on motocross and dirt bikes and and then just started chasing it and Kurt and I became really good friends. And he was actually the one that got me into desert racing because he and all of his friends from San Dimas, um, Jason LaFortune, and Kurt Young's and Dean Schlingman and all those guys brought me out and they were racing at the time, a class called 1400, which was a street legal pre-runner. So they made a class for desert racing in MDR, which was, which is now gone, which is called Mojave desert racing association. Um, And it was all street legal pre-runner trucks. So they made, they made a class. So like if you had a truck that you'd go out and run the course and pre-run the course in for your race truck, that's the difference. pre-runner and a race truck is a pre-runner is designed to go and do recon basically on a race course. And then, then you take the race truck and race that. You're not beating up your race truck before the Uh, race.
0: I I always wondered why it was called pre-runner. So Diego, so what he's saying is the racing trucks are just for racing. Like you said, the pre-runner means it goes on the track first before they race to check out everything, and then they say good. Now let the real race trucks on it. I was I never knew why they called it pre-runner.
2: Yeah, so the pre is, is exactly that. So like unlike the desert racing I do on dirt bikes now, the course you don't know until you, the the banner drops in desert racing and off-road cars. And even for motorcycles in these sanctioning bodies, some of them like in score, which is in Mexico, they let bikes and quads run, um, and best in the desert, which is stateside, mainly Arizona, and Nevada, they let bikes and quads run certain races too. those events. They open up the course in the States. They open up the course like a week before, and everybody can go out and run it, take all the notes they need to know where all the sections are and like in Mexico they open up all the courses a month before so like release the gps course and then you can go down and you can run it <laughs> if you have enough money and time you can run it as many times as you physically want to you can right?
0: just go, is it like certain days or it just open course oh. as long as you have the gear and the money you can just go drive yep. on it
2: yeah down in Mexico you can so second they usually open it up about a month before and you can just go down and run it as many times as you can. A lot of top teams do that. They'll go down and spend three weeks down there just running it and running it and running it and taking notes, and taking notes and taking notes. And, taking notes. and so you've that, done that. You've been on that? I've done that. Yeah, I've done pre running, but not for that long. I've done that pre running a couple times, but I've also produced a few series on or you know, a few projects on the Baja 1000. So I've done a lot of pre running and reconnaissance stuff to tell, help tell those stories too. So yeah.
0: So what's it like being at the Baja 1000, the for real one?
2: Uh, it's awesome, man. There's nothing really else. There's nothing else really like it. You know, it's, uh, (laughs) you know, this year was weird because they didn't have like the normal, obviously because of COVID, they didn't have like the tech and contingency and I didn't go this year, obviously, uh, all the teams that, you know, I have been lucky enough to tag along with a race, um, in the racing side of it, didn't race this year. So um, it's amazing, man, the energy is cool. The people down there are so amazing. They're so nice, you know, like anything and everything they would just they would give it to you. You know, like it's it's wild. Everybody's just like, Oh, Mexico's crazy. I'm never gonna go down there. And you're just like I can't wait to go back. Like, it's so fun. Um, racing the actual Baja 1000. Um, the one that I raced the Baja 1000 the 50th. So in 2017, I raced it and, um, in a class 10 buggy, which is an open class buggy that has a four cylinder ecotech motor. So, so you it's know a, that one, right?
0: Diego, the little buggy, mm. the yeah.
2: one. Yeah. So we run 35 inch tires, full tube <laughs> chassis, motors in the rear. <laughs> yeah.
0: On
1: a, a know, buggy?
2: On a buggy. Yeah. It's, it's a big buggy. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a hundred thousand dollar car. <laughs> it's not, none of them are cheap. And, uh, uh, Jay Buck racing brought Kurt and I down. Kurt drove, I co-drove. So we did the pre-running and yeah, I mean, there's, that's a, that's a heck of a story. I mean, we went down to pre-run and we broke the pre-runner 30 miles into pre-running. So we didn't get to pre-run our our section because it was that year, a point to point race. So we went from Ensenada and finished in La Paz and then other years like this year, they do a loop race. So it starts at Ensenada and it goes a thousand miles and comes back and finishes in Ensenada. So we did a point to point. So we got in around mile marker seven hundred and change uh, down in Viscaino. So we were down like in the middle of you know, kind of like in the middle of the peninsula. And we got in at like ten o'clock at night, and it was completely foggy. You couldn't see anything. Um, by the time we got the race car, it had already been rolled once, and the front shocks had completely lost um all. We're starting to lose all the oil, so like it was just like. Have you ever been on like a pogo stick? Imagine trying to drive a car where the front of the car is a pogo stick. So every time you hit something, it just bounces like this all over the place. So we got into we got in having no idea where we really were going outside of the GPS, like no idea when we were going to come into silt beds or to tricky stuff at night with basically zero visibility because it was completely foggy and sat and socked in. And you got to remember, we're in an open assy. There's no windshield. All there is is your visor. So your visor is constantly wet, and if you open your visor, you're just taken in dirt and rocks because the front front tires are throwing off stuff. So it was pretty miserable, and we got stuck in a silt bed. Uh, paid what, wait, paid what, a lot. Oh, silt
0: bed like a slippery, flat, wet.
2: Uh, no dirt? silt, kind of like imagine if you took a swimming pool and you filled it with baby powder, and then try to ride a dirt bike through it or drove a car through <laughs> it. That's what silt is. That's like just sink and fine powder. Yeah, it's just powder. It's everywhere. Right. So we came into a soap bed. we couldn't see anything, got stuck. And there was like four cars stuck around us all trying to get out, turning up dust everywhere. So we get out, I run over, there's some locals with the Jeep and they're having a fire and they're just drinking beer and having a great time laughing at everybody getting stuck. And I hand the guy a hundred dollars and he just jumps in his Jeep, comes over gets out and we're on our way. We got to our first uh, visual like checkpoint, we weren't supposed to pit. It's just like a visual. So our team was waiting at a road crossing just outside of the mission. And I forget the name of the mission, but came into this little town. And we got out of the car. And we're like, we can't drive the car. The shocks are completely blown. Like they're absolutely blown. And at this point, it's like two in the morning. Um, So the team actually took all the shocks off Kurt Young's who was driving owns a company called DC shock services. So he tunes shocks. Um, and he didn't actually build the shocks on this car. Uh, the company that prepped it did. So he was like, "All right, jumped in." Just <laughs> the take them
0: top, off and right. Re,
2: re, completely rebuild them out in the middle of the dirt, right? Like in the middle of nowhere, with very limited supplies. Like we had a spare shock that we used all the parts we could off of to try and make the two kind of work. And uh, like we had lost all the fluid because the top caps of the shocks that thread in were starting to pull out. So we had to like JB weld the top caps in and fill it with like whatever fluid, hydraulic fluid we had. And then by about sunrise, so about 630 in the morning, we were on our way. Right. And we had only gone 90 miles and we had to go maybe another, yeah, we had to go another 400 and change. And this was four, This is four or five hours later. Oh yeah. This is like five hours. We got in the car at 10 and it's now six in the morning so it's like seven hours, right? Something like that. But yeah, so that, that was our first issue. Uh, then we kept going didn't get really stuck anywhere else. But then we started losing power on our alternator, right? So our alternator started going down, there was a little tiny wire and a sensor that goes into it that uh, started to fail. So we kept losing power and having to like if we stalled the car, we had to like get a pole to jumpstart it. So we kept trying to fix it as we kept going through pits and then we got stuck in a silt bed, got out again, changed the starter because the starter was going bad from trying to start and all alternator went another twenty miles, lost another alternator, uh went about another fifty miles, about another 110 miles, lost another start. Like we so just kept that, losing. Is, is, st-
0: is that another truck just following you with gear
2: in part? Yeah, we have a we have a chase truck that we had guys that were following us with the chase truck and the car itself has two has a starter, a spare starter and a spare alternator in the car because those things, those are, you know, pretty <laughs> easy to yield the gotcha. they tend to fail. Um, so yeah, lost lost a ton basically by the time and I was supposed to co-drive all the way to the finish for the next driver that was going to jump in. But by the time we got to. The last checkpoint we had been in the race car for 14 and a half hours to go 500 miles
0: yeah
2: <laughs> and by the what? time like i so we went to la paz straight away kurt and i and uh, our chase team kept chasing the race car all the way down i went home we had, we had a condo down there my mom and my dad were down there it was like a whole big thing adrian was already waiting down there with kurt's wife rachel we take a shower and everything else, and I couldn't sleep. I'd already been up for twenty four hours, so we're like, eh, "Let's go to the finish and uh, see if we finish." And we get to the finish. The car finished in about an hour under the cutoff, so we finished. <laughs> but so you crashed out and then got back in and completed it. Yeah, we didn't really crash out. We just had a lot of mechanical issues, yeah. but then we kind of fixed all of those issues. So when the car got to the next driver. And then one of our team members just jumped in as a co-driver. He was ready with the fire suit and helmet and everything because he's like, you're blowing bubbles. There's no way you're going to like, you're just get out, go home. Uh, and then they said they ran flawless all the way to the finish or else we wouldn't have made it. Like we would like, we had an hour on time left before they closed the finish for all other vehicles that are out there. And we just barely skirted in. Dude, that's
0: awesome. So (laughs) as I, so what did you learn about yourself during that sweet time? That sweet uh, 20, what is it? 26 hours?
2: Just don't quit and keep moving. To make you yeah. want it more? Yeah, I mean, it does. You know, I, it, I just had a recent experience where that was kind of going through my head. I did my first desert hair scrambles race, which is an 80 mile dirt bike race. Uh, the weekend before last. Um, That's a long race. Was, yeah, it's 240 280 mile loops. And, you know, I ride a lot, so I felt great. No problem. I'm going to go into there and handle this. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done on a motorcycle. And that's it. Like I was so exhausted that at points, I just kept telling myself, you got to just keep moving. Like you can't, you, you can't just sit here and like you, you, if you have your breath, you can't quit, just keep moving. You'll eventually get through it. And that's what got me through that race. And since it's made me, you know, train more and look at where i could have been better definitely could have been in better physical condition because i was like oh it's just a desert race it's just gonna be fast and flat out and it was absolute opposite of any of that it was just you did no gym training
0: prior to long race like that
2: i do i always do some gym training to kind of just keep myself in basic condition like we have a peloton and we use the peloton app and we use all that kind of stuff so i work out you know three days a week pretty regularly but i don't really ever push myself i'm like I'm not a fat guy I don't eat terribly so I'm just like I'll be all right. but yeah that's changed since because I was like okay I really need to get into like serious physical condition for this type of stuff but
0: yeah are you ramping up for another one?
2: yeah I got one coming up this weekend I'm doing a national uh, Desert MC's National uh, Heron Hound uh, in Johnson Valley on Sunday
0: dude that's epic man good for you man you're getting after it (laughs)
2: At forty two, why not? Right. <laughs> That's right. That's how it should be. Never quit.
0: Still so surfing? You-
2: I haven't been surfing much, and I moved to the beach. I'm like, I'm in Marina del Rey, like two blocks from the water, and for some reason, I've just been so. Well, you're you're getting into the dirt, so forget the yeah. water. if the yeah, dirt, If the
0: dirt calls you, then yeah. no need.
2: Every like three days a week, we're out. Basically, Friday through Sunday, we're out in the desert you know camping and riding and and, uh my wife Adrian's riding now she just broke her shoulder riding right. you getting broken got broken proper <laughs> so yeah we're you know that's what we're doing a lot of our friends are super into that so it's it's fun and i'm just like you know when when it's super hot this summer i can get back into surfing like everybody in california does right
0: <laughs> well, diego's pumped he's he's super excited to come back you know we do the Typically do the father son camp trip every year, California this year, we camp here locally and next year he's ready to go back. And I would love to take him out there and just drive anything, you know, here, I just want him to get in that feeling where, you know, we were, we talked about, he's looking for that Polaris, a single seater, uh, center, center, center seat Mm -hmm. and got a good coach at the rally school here. He's all down. He's like, I've trained one other kid this age, but he's like, but you know, it gets pricey quick so just like you said he's like the quicker you get your own gear get your head around doing some basic repairs he's like i can make it work but i just Mm -hmm. want him to feel what you just explained it's like when you're driving and it's it's dusty it's dry here like getting all that dirt and dust in your face when you're trying to drive just to let him feel that and not be able to say i'm done quit this is dusty out here i can't see anything It's it's a rush, right? You're like just trying to haul and go fast and you can't see anything and and add the fact Diego at doing it at night. So be dusty, stuck, trying to do repairs at night and go fast. Yeah. And you're tired. (laughs) (laughs) But you never Uh, complain. No, nobody's going to complain or bring that up. You don't, you just don't even say it.
2: If you're going to complain and do that, don't sign up for it. Like, you know, tough. I mean, big piece of advice. I also gave your, your father. Diego is if you really want to get into racing, especially in the dirt, you should try dirt bikes because dirt bikes and all of dirt bike riders have a tendency to transition to race cars much better because when you're on a dirt bike, the, the a lot of the same formulas and, you know, um, like conditioning all kind of translate. But on a dirt bike, when you make a mistake, the risks are much higher, right? Because you crash, right? And if you crash, most of the time, you're fine. I crash probably 25 times in this last race and I did. I'm fine. I'm hurt. Sometimes, you know, that 20 times that you crash, you'll get hurt, or you break your bike and then you're stuck out in the middle of the desert, or you don't get to finish the race, right? So it, it helps you understand terrain and how, and what terrain will do to a vehicle when you're riding it, because then when you get into it and you're looking at that same terrain, you're like, Oh, this is what I would do on a dirt bike and in a car or a buggy or, you know, a Polaris, uh, like the one seventies, I think you're looking at, right. Yeah. Um, ones. You'll have an idea of how it's going to handle and what it's going to do in that terrain, because you will then be able to transfer that from feeling it on a motorcycle to driving it in a car. So, and motorcycles are a lot less expensive, don't require nearly the maintenance only have two tires not four so you don't need to carry and they don't go they don't fail as much as they do on those cars uh and where you guys are at in austin there's tons of motocross tracks and tons of woods and open areas that you can go and ride and that way you can get a little sense of what you like if you like the short course type you know motocross thing that also applies to the side by side or if you like the high speed desert stuff which also applies to like you know gncc's and hair scrambles and like you know desert sort of format racing, which Texas has got a ton of that, you know, motorcycles are an amazing way to get those skills and then make that transition into a side by side. And it's also a really good way for you and your dad to kind of get out there and go, okay, you know, the infrastructure is super important for being, uh, competitive, right? So like you can go out and buy the best off-road race car, right. And tow it out there with your Toyota four runner. Right. And just be like, all right, let's go. But then you get a flat and you don't have a jack and then you don't have an impact. So how am I going to change the tire? I got I got to borrow from somebody else. Then from there, you start realizing all the infrastructure that you need to kind of keep that one car going, you know, helmet, fire suit, you know, ra- racing shoes, gloves, seats with seat belts that are up to date. You know, helmet has to be up to date because they check that stuff every year. You know, everything expires because it gets worn out. You know, how many spares am I going to need? And not only how many spares am I going to need, but each track's got a different surface. So you're going to have to use a different style tire when you go to that track, or else your car's not going to work as good as the top guys, right? So you're just going to go out there and constantly be a mid pack. So that's a lot of this infrastructure stuff that also applies from dirt bikes. It's like dirt bikes are easy. You got a dirt bike, I got a stand, I got my riding gear, I got a fuel can, and I got a basic metric tool set, you know, and you can go out and race dirt bikes. You know, that's it. You're looking at, Four or $5,000 investment to get Diego going in that versus fifteen twenty dollars investment, even to get into a smaller, cheaper Polaris Razor because you have to have the truck that can pull it, the trailer that it can sit on, you know, jack stands, you know, a jack, you know, all that stuff. And that's all the things I was telling your dad is that, you know, you should just go to some of the local races and see what some of those pits have and see what the faster guys have versus like some of the backpack guys have. Just like look at how their pits are set up I bet you they're all going to have similar stuff, you know, but a lot of that comes into play to being competitive. If you want to go out and make a name for yourself as a driver, motorcycle racing, you could do that. Obviously, there's more risk. You, you can get hurt, but you can also get hurt in those cars. They flip, they roll all over the place. You know, you can bang your arm and, you know, people get hurt in those. But I would strongly encourage you as a motorcycle guy and having also raced off road, you're going to get a whole lot more out of riding dirt bikes right now at your age and learning technique. And, you know, just all these things that when you get into a race car, you won't have to relearn them. You're just going to be like, Oh yeah, I got to look at where I want to go. Not at where I'm like, not what it's in front of me. Like, Oh, I know what the car's going to do through these like, you know, whoops, or I know what the car's going to do off this jump because I've done it on a motorcycle. You know? So it's like, I kind of said that to your dad. I think that that's something that you should try again is go out and try and ride dirt bikes, go rent, you know, a dirt bike and go ride it around a track and see how you like it, because that could be, I think that's a real good way to get started, you know, and it's a real, it's definitely, as they say, a gateway drug, like you start that (laughs) and you're basically going to be well on your way. And I think that you can absolutely learn a ton of skills that will apply. You know straight over to the to the side by side and then it'll let your dad and your mom kind of get their heads around all right he's super into this
0: what does this kid need does he actually like it you know that's part of you know did you get early encouragement when you started digging in or was this all you or was it i guess you know what pulls you to it you know like obviously you're you're 42 in shape pushing yourself harder doing more than you've done probably It sounds like more, you're doing more now than you did in the last 10 years physically. And I don't know. What's that driver? Because, I mean, what I remember, like, that's why I brought up your grandfather. Like, it's in you, like, it's in your DNA to race. Yeah. Just get out there. And I don't know. Is that what is in your head? Or is it a new internal voice that's screaming at you, like, Dad, let's get this. Let's
1: get after it. (laughs) Bro.
0: What is it man you know what's really going on in your head
2: i've always been competitive i mean the dirt bike thing for me was obviously being around my grandfather when i was you know, diego's age and younger and seeing motorcycles because he did more flat track which is like where they basically go left in a big circle but when they come in they're totally laid out and sideways and goes you know 100 miles sideways so my grandfather was super into flat track i mean he raced everything but that was like his thing Um, so just being around motorcycles and seeing them were always cool. And, you know, I grew up in Santa Clarita, a little town called Castaic. So when I was a kid from the third grade all the way until, you know, I was a freshman in high school. I would, you know, go out there and at the, I would come home from school, you know, and immediately everybody would jump on their bikes and go ride in the hills and goof off. Well, you know, there was like six kids in our neighborhood that would come home from school. Put their gear on and go ride their dirt bike. And I mean, I always thought dirt bikes were just the coolest things. You know, it's just like, it was just, you hear a dirt bike start. It's like, I would get goosebumps when I was a kid. I was just like, that's just the neatest thing. And I just remember always seeing that and always wanting that. Like, I always wanted to just be able to come home from school and go ride my dirt bike, you know, and yeah. go rip it in the hills and have fun. And of course, like, we couldn't really ever afford to do that. So when I got old enough, it was finally like, you know, I've always wanted a dirt bike. Let's go and do it. And then as far as the competitive stuff goes, it's when I first when I initially got into it, I was never really getting into it to be competitive. I got into it because it was like, oh, it's fun to go camping. It's fun to go out to the desert. And I just want to do some trail riding. Um, It all kind of switched when uh, I was working in Orange County and I was riding a lot. I just started riding at a motocross track. So I'd been to a motocross track maybe four times and I was like, this is actually really cool because you can jump stuff and learn how to turn faster and you can race, you know, kind of race against the other people on the track to see how good you are. So it was fun for me and a guy I worked with also rode dirt bikes and was like, oh, let's go out and ride tonight. Star West has got lights. You know, we can ride till like 10 o'clock when we get off of work. I was like, sweet. We get off work at four o'clock, drive all the way out to Temecula, you know, uh, start unloading the bikes. And I'm like, oh, they're having. I do, and he's like, "Yeah." And I signed you up. <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what?" He's like, "Yeah, I signed you up to race." I was like, "I'm not racing." He's like, "Well, we drove all this way. You want to ride the track? You're racing." And I was like, "Okay." So I remember going and lining up on the line, and there's like a 16-year-old girl next to me, and like a, you know, 13-year-old boy next to me, and i have never raced before, and it's like all these people, and I'm like asking this girl, I'm like, "How do you do this?" And she's like, "You've never done this before." I was like, "Never," and she's just like, <laughs> like literally, her response is like, "Oh my god." I'm like, okay, gate starts. I almost looped the bike out. Everybody takes off. I think I got dead last. The girl won the whole race, like, absolutely demolished everybody. And I finished and I couldn't feel my hands. And I was just like, that was crazy. I don't ever want to do that again. And he's like, well, you have to do it two more times. And I was just like, what? Like, I have to race two more times tonight? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, okay, went out, did it. And by the end of that, like, my first race, I got dead last. The next race, I got like, you know, third to last, you know, and then the last race, I got mid pack, like I got like fifth place. And I was just like, Oh, that's cool. I improved through every race, you know, and that's when
0: it that's when the hook sank.
2: Yeah, that's when I was like, this is fun. I'm gonna practice (laughs) all the time. Um, And yeah, I mean, recently with I've always with off road racing and that competitiveness. For me, it's like it was always something I wanted to go and do. I never really had enough money to actually own my own race car. I attempted to build one at one point, but, you know, in your 20s, life changes and careers change and everything else. And in my 30s, I built pre runners so I could at least go to races and drive my own truck and have fun, you know, but. Never really could afford to actually do the racing part of it. And then that's, you know, my friend Kurt brought me into that. He was just like, you're a very detailed guy, like you keep me calm, like you're you're really good at problem solving, because that's kind of what I have to do for my job a lot. He was like, do you want to try and do this? And then, you know, we did a couple races and he's just like, yeah, you're great. He's like, I don't have to think about any of the other stuff. I usually have to think about with other co-drivers because you take the time to come to the shop, to learn all the ins and outs of the vehicle, the navigation stuff. You're way over everybody else. Cause I'll geek out on Google earth and like take all my notes and transfer them to the you know car and everything else. And, you know, research, all the areas to kind of see what kind of, you know, terrain and everything is in there. Yeah, so that, I mean
0: you. You would want at minimum that for a co-driver. You wouldn't want a co-driver who never even looked at the map or saved it offline on the phone, yeah, or any of that.
2: So yeah, um, that's like with the off-road racing stuff that became fun and competitive. And Kurt's one of the most competitive guys I know and really great drivers. So that was super fun with him in the trophy truck and you know the buggy in Mexico. We were we were in we were in like fourth or fifth place when the car got handed off to us. And then we just had all these mechanical issues. So it was just frustrating. It wasn't the driving or anything else. It was just the car was part of
0: it. You had no choice. Like you had to do what you had to do.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then recently, I I don't know, I guess the world works in really mysterious ways. Uh, About three years ago uh, for Easter, I was down in Orange County, hanging out with my sisters and uh, my, my brother-in-law to be Adam comes to me and he's just like, used to race dirt bikes, used to be super into dirt bikes. I'm like, yeah, he's like, dude, I want to get a dirt bike and just like go out and start riding trails and like camping and then get like the girls into it. My two nieces, it's like, wouldn't that be fun? And I was just like, yeah, I don't know. And I was actually at the time saving up to buy a side by side. So that's where like all this stuff I'm coming from is like all the research and everything for me to buy. I want to buy a side by side and build it to race like the, you know, sportsman production class, which is like the the easiest to get into sort of because it doesn't require you to have like, you know, some of these desert race side by sides are a hundred thousand dollars. And you're saying,
0: so when he says side by side, dig, you know, he's talking about like a giant
2: Polaris, like a UTV,
0: but way bigger. Just as if you shot it with a ray gun and blew it up. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So so I was going to buy one of those and and all the things kind of like, you know, I was I was set on it. You know, the, all the issues with it were, you know, we were li- we live in an apartment in L.A. I have nowhere to store it. Right. I have I mean, I had a truck that could pull it. I could buy a trailer, but I also have to store that trailer. And I really had nowhere to work on it. So like the first step for us to do that would be to move someplace. We could afford a house that I could store all this stuff in. Right. And that was where we, were, that's where our mindset was. It was just like, all right, well, we're going to move. We're going to do that. And you know, so I'd been saving money and then my brother comes up with this. My brother in law comes up with this whole thing about dirt bikes. And I was like, I don't know, man, like I'm, I think I'm going to buy a Polaris. But like, I love the whole desert idea. Like, that's why I'm going to get this side by side and go out and do, you know, desert stuff. And my dream is to race one of these side by sides. And I was so bent on it. Um. Anyways, lo- longer you know story goes, I end up getting engaged to Adrian, my wife, and the money that I had saved obviously went to that. So it ended up being kind of a blessing because I feel like it would have been a failure quickly because I didn't have the infrastructure and I didn't have the means to build the infrastructure yet. Right. You got
0: space to take care of everything for a motorcycle and you can go camping like you, obviously you can take that thing more places. And you know, my cousin, uh, my cousins, they did the trans American trail and they went up continental divide and all that. And they went, you know, one of them cousins, cousin Jacob did a solo trip long one and uh him and his wife cousin they did a long trip and just that being able to ride it's still hard it's a full off-road just like you said offline maps scoped it out for a year ahead of time before he even got out there did all the homework all the preparation he talked about detailing the most more prepared you are the better for any of these things and i think taking that and deciding hey let me not get a huge utv get a bike, hang out with my wife, do some riding, and then you can yeah. use a, so use the same bike to race or you have two bikes?
2: Uh, well, we have two bikes now. Um, when my brother-in-law was like throwing around the idea, I thought about it for a little bit. I called my good friend Chuck Cruthers, uh, was an X Games gold medalist. And I've kept in touch with him from you years. You see how he I-
0: calmly said that my X Games gold medalist friend, Diego. Are you, are you, did you hear that? I know Robert <laughs> talks fast. He's like, yeah, you know, uh, I just yes. went swimming lap pools with the gold medals from the Olympics. And then uh, we got breakfast. No big deal. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, I, uh, ahead, I called the, I'm thinking about getting a dirt bike. And he's like, dude, me too. I'm looking at dirt bikes right now. Like, let's get dual sport dirt bikes so we can ride them on the streets, but also ride them in the dirt. And I was like, so he's going to get one. My other brother, my brother-in-law wants to get one. Why not? So I, I bought a cheap $1,800 you know, street legal uh, CRF 250X. I got a, super lucky and rode one time with my brother and was just like, it all came back like instantly. I was like, this is so fun. This is so much freaking fun. And it's so much easier. I just throw it in the truck, drive away. If I break it, throw it in the truck fix it, right? And it was like, and it's so much cheaper, you know, it's like a tire for a dirt bikes, like a 100 bucks, you can get them for cheaper tire for a side by sides, like 250 bucks, you know, it's like, it's a totally different thing. And it's so much easier to maintain. Either way. that was it hook hook was set, and we were just having fun riding that. And then a year later, I was looking at getting a 450. And Adrian was going to take over the 250 that I had. Well, uh, I got lucky and road to recovery, I entered a raffle. To win a dirt bike, and I won a 2019 CRF 450X, uh, 450L. Good. I won it in a raffle.
0: <laughs> in a raffle. In a raffle. Did you hear that? Yeah. We, I, we tried to enter a raffle to win a Polaris. It's possible. He won a sweet bike in a raffle.
2: I did, and that's the bike <laughs> I, I race now. And because I had money saved to, you know, buy a new dirt bike, I was able to take that money and turn this new dirt bike into like my dream bike. So now I'm like super pumped. And now Adrian who's riding and is loving it as much as I am. She's super hooked. Like the second she crashed, she hit a rock on a dirt road that was a loose rock and it just sent her like this. And she crashed right on her shoulder and she broke her orbital and her humerus right up at the top here and her shoulder and her right shoulder. She got up the second. She kind of got her breath back. She was just like, I'm so bummed. I can't ride now because we were, it was like, the day before we were leaving for a four-day desert trip down to Ocotillo Wells for New Year's. And she was like, I'm so bummed. She goes to the hospital, gets fixed, you know, and, um, next day we leave, come home, all of our friends go to Ocotillo. And, uh, you know, she said she sat home for maybe two hours and she's like, let's pack our stuff. Let's go to Ocotillo. I was like, what? She's like, I don't care. I'd rather sit out there, you know, and be in pain than sit here on my, couch watching tv at least we're out with our friends there's a campfire i can drink a couple beers you know it's gonna be great and we ended up having a blast and she's been going everywhere and going to all the races with me and being a little one arm photographer it's nice great. dude
0: <laughs> what a way to like stick together and bond not be like uh pout at home that's awesome yeah i see why y'all are good together That's yeah. epic.
2: very lucky very lucky yeah dude so Diego, Diego. Diego, your mind's blown. <laughs> have ahead. you ridden? Have you tried dirt bikes yet, Diego? Uh
1: one time. Yeah. What'd you think of it? Uh it was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh we're thinking of trying another lesson sometime next year. Or this year. Maybe. I don't know. Or oh. next year, sometime too.
2: Yeah, give it another shot. I think that. You know, dirt bikes are scary, and they're hard to learn all the controls. It's like playing the drums. But once you learn how to play the drums and you know how the controls work, it's so fun.
0: I think you do it. I mean, yeah, that one try. I mean, you're awesome at a bike, All right. I mean, that was like, honestly, he was so young when he tried the motorcycle. I can't even remember if he was off training was on a bicycle yet.
1: Oh, wow. No, I, you? I took off a training wheels on a bicycle, I think when I was three or four. And, and then we started what wi- I started riding that monsters bike.
0: Yeah, but when we did the motorcycles, did you already have the training wheels off?
1: Uh on my normal bike? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was right around like he just got off training. I think he just did it and then we're like, let's do a dirt bike. And you know, they had the big training wheels on the dirt bike and you did good listen to the coach and pretty soon he was doing the little track there you know they got a little peeny mound halfway through the little turns with checkpoints we we actually walked the track remember the guy had us walk yeah. the track he's like this is what you do and you're going to actually do a dirt bike race you walk it feel it feel the turns and now you get on it and ride it so we did that whole thing yeah we could do that again there's a really cool school there's one dude here who used to race wherever and But he has a school to train kids how to race dirt bikes. And he said a few of them have stuck with it and started racing competitively. But it's, it's geared for young kids to get up to speed to compete.
1: Another
2: good one, if you're interested in motocross, is BMX. Like go to a BMX track, like pump tracks and like BMX tracks that have jumps and all that kind of stuff sure there's a couple out there in Austin.
0: Yeah, we have some good
2: ones here. Yeah, go out and try that. I mean, that's a real good, like a lot of really good BMX guys transition to dirt bikes, super easy because you get a feel of like how a jump works and how to pump and how to turn and, you know, it's, and that's also a very affordable way to, you know, stepping stone because you can constantly build skills on a BMX bike that will translate to the dirt bike on the weekends. Yes
0: hmm so what do you think dirt bike are you convinced yeah he just wants to race all of them is that yeah. you I don't know what's gonna happen like what's gonna happen
2: yeah what Diego what drives you to want to race
1: Um, I don't really know Uh, I have a few racing games on my Xbox that I play um I have a couple friends that have them too, but yeah. Yeah,
0: right, which one has got Forza? Need for Forza. speed.
1: Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, Forza Horizon
0: 4. Forza Horizon 4. Yeah, when, we did a podcast with uh, a friend that does rally racing and uh, street racing too, like track races. He did the uh, one lap across America and he was saying uh, one lap is uh i think it's 25 tracks every day you hit a different track time yourself and drive to the next city do another track it's like all the way from the south up to the northeast and back and uh he was saying when he was a kid it was the old need for speed or something that he got into he's like i'm gonna do this for real and that's when he's like it just embedded just like when you did that race all of a sudden you're a kid and you're like i wasn't ready for this I don't know if I'm going to like this. And then it's like, oh, you feel that challenge. Yeah. You feel that I rush. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I can't wait to see that in him. When he hits oh, yeah. on that, when that, whatever that bug is, it grabs him.
2: Yeah, dude, you got to go for it, man. Try and, you know, you have very encouraging parents. You're very lucky and you should take full advantage of that. You know, BMX, go to the BMX park and go ride around. If you like riding a BMX bike around a, like a real BMX track and that's fun to you. You're going to love motocross. <laughs> you're going to be like, Oh, I could do this motor.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I could do it with an engine. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yes, I want to do this. But yeah, that's a real good way to see if you if you like that. Like if that's something you leave and you're like, yeah, like when are we when can we go again, dad, And like, all right, get them on a dirt bike because dirt bikes, you can jump big stuff. You can go far. You can go super fast. You know and there's nothing like the smell of a dirt bike and like a freshly watered track you know having cool gear on you're just like this is awesome i feel good my dirt bike's cool and the noise of it it's neat it's fun
0: <laughs> i got a whole bunch more i think i want to do a round two at some point mr Caserina. yeah that's cool um Usually, I wanted to, I like to go long let's keep hammering other things, but um, unfortunately, today is pretty tight. But, yeah, no problem. But uh, having you as a friend, I can call you when these situations come up. When I, I'm only, uh, I only know what I know, and my connection to you and people that have more knowledge and experience than me in different things is so advantageous for me to share with him and even Sophia. Maybe she wants to shred too. You know. She's almost seven, and okay. so, yeah, just, just knowing you're there and somebody can speak from experience and not guess, and you're actually in it, digging in, doing it every weekend. Like, we're on, this is a weekday because you're racing on the weekends. How cool is yeah. that? It's like legit, you know. I'm, I'm super proud and, uh, to be your friend. I'm honored. And, uh, you know, that's the type of people you need around you, Diego, people that push you, inspire you have sweet man buns oh yeah <laughs> look at this dude yes <laughs> look at those lovely locks
2: the covid is the, the the covid grow it's wow. uh i'm not i don't think i'm gonna lose my hair anytime soon i think
0: i don't think you're gonna be like me i'm just going tighter i think i'm i think i'm see it's just think... ghost
2: oh you know what I like we also, it though. I also have two kids, dogs, mortgage. I just have dirt bike races to plan for. <laughs>
0: it's all good. Well, when we come out to California, we're going to meet with you. Let's do some races, riding, whatever. We'll go wherever we need to. I want to make it a longer trip to yeah. celebrate that we have vaccines and we can go to California, hit tracks, go-karts, on-road, off-road, all that. I.
2: And yeah, just start... When you know the world goes back to normal and you guys start planning that just start giving me dates. so I can, you know, ideally block it out and start trying to coordinate some stuff. Maybe I can get, uh, no promises, but maybe I can get Diego a, re- a ride in a real race car
0: Ooh, Diego. We have this on record. This is recorded. Back in when he says, I never said that. <laughs> I never, no, nah, I didn't, no way. You're never going in a real one. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it right here.
2: I'll have to get you a booster seat, but that's okay. Cause my, <laughs> My co driver Kurt uses a booster seat too, because he's right. a little he, guy. He's as
0: short as me. I need a booster. Yeah. All right, man. Well ha- take care. We'll catch up, you know, in a couple of days or something. Good Absolutely. luck on your race. Thank you so much.
2: Yeah. Call me when call me next week. I'll give you a race report. Yes. Corey, <laughs> came to you, man. I appreciate you guys so much and uh love and miss you guys. You know, it's it's always nice to know that if I ever need anything, you're always there. Of course. And yeah, You'll be that kid too, because you're gonna have to take care of me. I didn't have any of my own kids, Diego, so you're gonna have to be like, ah, Uncle Bobby. I gotta go take care of this guy. Yep. I'll leave you all my dirt bikes if you do. All, all right, it's right. pretty fair. <laughs>
0: Great. All right. all right, man. Well, thank you. We'll talk to you soon, man. All right, buddy. Okay.